Welcome to Gun Lawyer. I'm Evan Knappen, and I am really happy that you are joining me for today's show. Because I have some really interesting things to discuss, things that I've learned throughout my legal career, and it gives me some insight into things that are current events. And I want you to have that same insight when you hear about these things. And you may you may have noticed recently in the news there was a, a report out of Philadelphia regarding Walter Wallace and Mr. Wallace, who had uh, mental health issues, uh, he uh, he was having some type of a crisis of some sort, and when he came out in the street, he was brandishing a knife, and uh, the police shot and killed him, and it led to rioting in Philadelphia over this, and so uh, you know it's it's an interesting case, and one of the things that recently happened in the aftermath of that case is that the the family attorney for Walter Wallace's uh, family, the attorney who is representing them, announced that he does not want the Philadelphia officers to face murder charges. And even though there was so much politicization of this and there was so much... Uh, Agitated in the community and riots and claims of, uh, you know, the misconduct by the police. This attorney came out on behalf of the family and says he doesn't want them to face murder charges. And he says instead he believes that the officers were simply improperly trained and did not have the proper equipment to do their job. And the equipment he's referencing is uh, devices like a, like a taser, a less than lethal tool. And he publicly has made that statement. Now, when, when you see that, you might say, wow, that's really, you know, gracious, benevolent, whatever word, you know, for him to want to do that, given the racial strife and tension. And, you know, we've seen these things go political where they prosecute the police. And here's a guy who's saying, no, 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 don't charge the police. And you might take a step back and say, wow, that's almost refreshing given the environment surrounding all this. But in order to understand what I believe is actually behind that, which it may be that they're benevolent and it may be that they're gracious and it may very well be all of that, but I want to tell you a story that illustrates, maybe with a little more clarity, what often is a case when it comes down to civil liability. And this was a story that was told to me by a fellow attorney many years ago, but I just always remembered this story, and it's such a great story because it illustrates the distinction between civil and uh, criminal and how it can be very important to fully appreciate that distinction. So my friend was in his office and one day and a woman comes into his office and says she's very, very upset. She's very upset because her husband, whose name was nickname was Tiger, was partying with a number of friends 
And one of the friends was an off-duty police officer from a northern New Jersey city. And while they were partying, it was it was St. Patrick's Day, and they were bar hopping, right? But it seems that Tiger and this police officer, they were kind of arguing with each other and kind of mad at each other, and they weren't really celebrating St. Patrick's Day in the spirit as it is intended. And it got to a point where they pulled into the Friends of Shillelagh, Friends of the Shillelagh Bar, and while they're at the Friends of the Shillelagh Bar, the argument kind of went even further, and they both went outside in the alleyway, and they were about 15 feet apart or so, and the off-duty police officer shot Tiger right between the eyes with his off-duty weapon. And Tiger's wife was, as you can understand, upset about this, and she was very frustrated because the prosecutors in the county were not pursuing criminal charges against this police officer. They'd been sitting on it, and... Um, my friend, the attorney, said, well, why aren't they? What's the deal? Well, believe it or not, what the, what the prosecutors are saying is that the officer simply fired a warning shot. It just said it was too low. So that having been said, uh, and she really thought that was pretty outrageous and wanted my friend to pursue and push the prosecutor's office to go after the policeman who did this criminally. And although my, my friend was you know, willing to, to help her out here, he wanted to explain something to her. And this is what he said. He said, look, I can do this, and we can try to push you know, murder charges, uh, criminal charges on the, on the officer. But I want you to understand something. The state is essentially saying that he fired a warning shot and it was not properly done, that it was fired too low. In other words, that there was inadequate training given to him, inadequate uh, instruction and such in the use of his firearm and to fire, if he's going to fire a warning shot, how to do it properly. And if that's the case, then we could bring a civil action for negligence and hold the city and the state liable because this is their employee for their inadequate training that occurred here. And if we do that, then you could get a substantial settlement or a judgment, substantial. So if we pursue the criminal charges, however, and they go after them this after this officer for murder charges, then that would be an intentional act by the officer. It would have nothing to do with bad training or improper instruction in the use of his firearm. It would instead be that he purposely set out to kill him and did. And the liability would not exist in any way near the liability would exist on a negligence claim. The intentional act by the police would essentially uh, remove the deep pocket of the government from the case.
So he said, so why don't you think about what you want to do? Do you want to, do you want me to still pursue this criminally or do you want me to go at it civilly? So what she, she thought about it and being a good American, she went for the money and she said, look, let's do the civil. So in fact, he brought the civil and ended up settling the matter for, you know, seven figures, right? And, you know, ending it there, it's a great illustration that shows the difference between civil and civil actions, between intentional acts and negligent acts and difference of criminal charges versus civil charges and all that's great. And, you know, and she was, you know, incredibly, you know, she was well compensated for her loss, although, of course, nothing could ever replace Tiger, but there you go. And all that's fine, and it, and it serves a great purpose to illustrate all this, but it doesn't end there. Because the fact about this story that I always thought was just the best, it just makes it the ultimate story, is that after the settlement was paid, Tiger's wife married the cop who shot him. So if you think about that, it's really quite a story, and I'm sure you would agree. But nonetheless, the difference here now is clear between intentional and non-intentional. So now let's take a look back at Mr. Wallace's family's attorney who says, no, 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 we don't want criminal charges here. We believe that this was inadequate training and failure to have uh, less than lethal equipment and how it could have been handled in this whole other way. And maybe now you see that there may be another motivation between his uh, uh, regarding his statements and the way the family wants to proceed. Now, this is sad that anyone would get killed at all. Of course, that's true. And it's a shame this man had mental problems and the police were summoned to the, to the area over his behavior. They, they didn't go looking for this guy. And, uh, you know, he's got apparently had prior record of problems and issues. So look at who they're dealing with. And remember, the, the idea of a knife makes someone armed. I mean, to say, you've heard somebody say, I heard somebody say, well, you know, he, he, except for the knife, he wasn't armed. I'm like, yeah, except for the knife, he wasn't armed. But because of the knife, hey, guess what? He was armed. And if, if any of you have ever practiced or aware of dealing with defending yourself against someone with a knife, you may have heard of what's called the Tuller drill. And the Tuller drill is a self-defense training exercise. Actually, it was an officer, a Tuller, who got at Salt Lake, who wondered how quickly someone with a knife could attack another person. And, and what they had was 21 feet, which is the average distance for the close-quarter firing of a gun at 21 feet. And if someone's at 21 feet, how quickly who has a knife can they stab their victim? And essentially in 1.5 seconds, they can do it. One and a half seconds, called the Tula drill, it's been proven. So even someone with a knife at 20 feet, 21 feet, can 
successfully attack someone holding a gun before they can fire their gun. So you got to keep this in mind, you know, being, quote, unarmed except for a knife, how incredibly dangerous and deadly that it can be. And you can just see the a reference to Tooler Drill. And I think even in Mythbusters, they, they tested this. And, uh, and, and every time the, uh, the knife attacker could, could reach the shooter before, uh, you know, he could stab him prior to being shot every time. So that's the Tooler Drill and the danger that's out there for police. When we come back, I want to tell you what to do when you interact with police and how to hopefully not get shot by them. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a Hey, we're back on Gun Lawyer with Evan Knappen. I'm so glad you're here because what I want to tell you about is I want to give you some tips and an understanding of how to deal with the police. You know, we're just talking about the Walter Wallace situation and this understanding of uh, the Tooler drill and how, you know, even someone 21 feet away with a knife can can successfully attack you and stab you before you can even use your gun. But when it comes to how we interact with police, okay, here is an incredibly important hot tip on dealing with police. If you don't want to be shot by the police, don't attack police with a knife. Do I need to write that one down for you? Hopefully not. You know, because even though you may think you're unarmed except for having a knife, you are armed because you have a knife. And if you are threatening and coming at police with a knife, they don't like that. Because they're very aware of the Tooler drill and its impact where they can become quickly stabbed and killed by a knife, which is why a knife is defined as a deadly weapon. 
okay, because it can cause death. And, and that's like another reason legally why they're called deadly weapons. It's amazing how sometimes the law actually makes sense in defining something like that, you see? So this is important to keep in mind. And if we want to go a little bit deeper here and put away, you know, the obvious that we were just talking about, how should you deal with law enforcement? Number one is respectfully, okay? They have a job to do. Police keep us civilized. Police have a job to maintain law and order. I don't want to live in chaos, okay? I, I, I don't want that. I'm not anti-police. I, I like that we can have, a, for the most part, a peaceful society in which police do a great job, and that's important. But when it comes to your interacting with police who you respect like I respect, okay, what's the best way? Well, number one, be respectful. Number two, actually listen to what the officer may be saying. You don't know all the reason that he may be stopping you. Okay, There may be a danger that he needs to warn you about. Or it may be that he's investigating some action that you did. But it doesn't hurt to listen to what the officer's saying. That's not a problem. Listen to everything that he's saying. The problem comes in as to whether or not or to what degree you answer questions and engage with the officer. You see, that is uh, critical. And that's where we have your rights come in versus the ability of the officer to do his job, but you still have your rights. And you don't want to end up in a situation where you inadvertently cause legal problems for yourself. And, of course, as law-abiding citizens, we're kind of trained to, you know, the policeman is your friend and you want to do what they say. I get it. But the problem is there's another side to this, and that is uh, you probably don't want to become charged with something, especially something you didn't do, and you'd really rather not get arrested, I'm sure, and these are powers the police have. Now, you may say to yourself, well, I'm not going to get arrested because I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you don't know what they're perceiving, what the officer may be perceiving that you did. You may not even know what you did or what you didn't do or what they're misconstruing you as doing. And look, misunderstandings, they happen. They sure do happen. And uh, I've seen it over and over again where one thing is perceived one way and yet its intention is completely the opposite. And you can put yourself into a pretty bad hole if you don't realize it and start saying things that inadvertently enhance the misperception you see. So how do you handle this when police... Well, let's talk about a typical traffic stop. So you're pulled over. I'm sure all of us have experienced this. And first thing normally the officer is going to do is ask for your 
credentials. Ask for your license, your registration, your insurance if you're in a state that requires insurance. And you do need to provide your identification and your registration to the officer. Most states have laws that require it. At least identifying yourself, and that's even the Supreme Court says, you know, the Hubble case, that we have to at least identify ourselves. And if you have the driver's license, then you're going to meet the requirement that your car is registered, you have insurance, and that you have your license. So you, you give that to them. Now, I automatically will have that out to hand them right away because there's never a time where they're not going to want to see that, right? Well, let me tell you, one time I was driving down the highway in Jersey and uh, I was uh, I got a call from my paralegal. She didn't realize I was driving, and I said, look, I'm driving right now. I can't talk to you, but... And I put the phone. Next thing I know, the police are lights on behind me. And I'm like, oh, geez. He saw me with my phone. And now I'm going to get pulled over. And all right, whatever. So I pull over. And I immediately, immediately take out my driver's license and my registration and my insurance. And I, and I roll down my window. And as soon as the officer walks up, I'm holding out my credentials and he says, oh, no, 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 I don't need any of that. I don't need to see any of that. And I was like, immediately, I'm like, what? what? I mean, first of all, was, what? Is this guy just going to, like, assassinate me? Because what cop doesn't want to see my credentials? What is that all about? You know, he doesn't need to see any of that? What? And I had no clue, right? And he goes, no, 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 I'm sorry to pull you over, but I got to tell you, man. He goes, I was, I was looking at the back. I was driving. I saw in the back of your I was driving a Suburban at the time. I saw in the back of your Suburban, you had this great bumper sticker that said, Live Free or Die. I'm like, well, yeah, it's the motto of New Hampshire. I love New Hampshire. It's Live Free or Die. He goes, I really want one of those stickers, and I don't know where to get them. Could you get me one? Do you know where I can get them? And I'm like so relieved that I'm not getting I'm like, give me your card, man. I'll get them for you. I know who has them. I'll, I'll be happy to say, not a problem. No problem. I understand you love freedom, and that means something to you, and it and that was fine. So sure enough, that's why I got pulled over. Got pulled over for a live free or die sticker, which is kind of ironic, but absolutely true. So this is, you know, but immediately I had my, 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 my credentials out there. And that's one thing. Keep your hands in plain view. Don't go rummaging in your jacket or stuff because they're trained to look at your hands because you may have a weapon and you don't want to make anybody nervous in doing that. Now the question, though, becomes to what degree should you engage? Because the normal next question is something normally like, do you know why I pulled you over? Let me ask you about that question, you, my, my friends listening to me now. What's the proper answer to do you know why I pulled you over? And if somebody says thinking, uh, no, I, I don't know. So you always tell them, no, I don't know why I uh, pulled me over. Well, I want you to stop for a minute. If you say no to the question, what you know why I pulled you over, then that means that the boneheaded thing that the officer believes he just saw you do, that you're so negligent, so reckless, you're, you're so clueless that you have no idea why he pulled you over, that you're just on the road doing this stuff and don't even know it. Don't even know it. Is that a great thing to uh, tell the officer? No, it really isn't, is it? So let's try the other answer. 
Uh, yes, I do, officer. Oh, great. Yes, I do. So now you're admitting that you intentionally did something wrong, which may not even be what he's thinking, but you're now, you know, confessing everything or whatever, and you're now incriminating yourself. Is that a good idea? No. So what is the best way when that question is asked? And the thing that I really strongly suggest is simply to say, I don't want to answer any questions. Because you don't have to answer any questions like that. You're not required to answer any questions. And you can see why there's no right answer to that question. So the best answer is, I don't want to answer questions. You have a right not to answer questions. And you can say that. Now, some people, oh, get mad at me, or I'm not, you know, they feel uncomfortable. Or that. I, I understand, but it's your rights. And if you engage, you're now waiving those rights. And when you waive those rights, you're now exposing yourself to more problems. Now, there may be another way to handle it. And I've heard and know of some folks where it's the old joke. And it goes like this, where there was an old Jewish man who was asked, why do you always answer a question with a question? And the old Jewish man said, why not? Why not? So I always like that because you can answer questions with a question. So one of the, you know, you know why I pulled you over? Say, officer, why are you asking me that question? In other words, he has a reason for pulling you over. Why is he asking you that question, right? Do you, uh, do you have any guns in the car, any weapons? Why, why are you asking me that? Why are you asking me that? He says, well, I'm the one asking the question. Well, I'm not going to answer any questions now. Not going to answer. But you see, if you answer a question with a question, you're really getting at the heart of what the stop may be, the reason for it. What ultimately could be a probable cause determination as to whether the stop itself was lawful even because it's going more to the heart of the issue. You know, you got to got to understand that under our rights, particularly our rights against unlawful search and seizure and stop, I'll, I'll often have people ask me, they'll say, hey, you know, if I refuse a search, the officer's going to think that I'm hiding something. And folks, or if I refuse to answer a question, they're going to think I'm hiding something. But you got to understand, it's not how our rights work. It's not up to us to have to defend why we stand on our rights. It's up to the state to have probable cause or reason, legitimate based reason for why they feel they can overcome our rights. So that it's not a question of do you consent to a search? You have a Fourth Amendment right against consenting to search. If they have the probable cause for a search, they're going to search. They're not just going to. They're not going to ask you if you consent. There's no need to. They have probable cause. I mean, if there's a you know a dead hand hanging out of your trunk, they're not going to ask if you consent to a search. They're just going to search. But if they don't have probable cause, and you say uh, yes, you know what you're doing. You are giving up your rights. And saying, in so many words, go right ahead, officer, have a fishing expedition at my expense. Go right ahead. You really want to do that? You really want to waive your rights? I mean, do you appreciate what all those men and women who 
died for our rights? Do you appreciate their sacrifice at all? Because they died for us to have these rights. Oh, you're just going to wave them. Who cares about those silly, stupid old rights? That's pretty darn disrespectful to those folks that died to give us these rights. So you want to stand on your rights, and it's important to do that. Because if you stand on your rights, and, and let me explain, you never physically resist the police. Never, never. That's a never. There's no physical resistance ever. Okay, There's no resistance ever. You don't resist, but you don't consent either. That's the difference. You're not consenting. But if the officer still wants to search, no problem. You're not going to stop them. You've stood on your rights, and if there's something at issue, then we'll see if the search was within your constitutional rights. And if it's not, then anything that's found cannot be used against you. That's why we have the system. That's why we have the system. So this is important. We, we, we have a system that you need to utilize. To utilize a system, you need to know your rights. You need to stand on your rights. You have no obligation to answer questions. You have no obligation to consent to a search. No obligation for these things. We're talking about your Fifth Amendment right. We're talking about your Fourth Amendment right. Fourth Amendment search and seizure. Fifth Amendment your right against self-incrimination. There's another right, and that's your right to an attorney. And that's probably the most important right when we're dealing with this, not just because I'm an attorney. But when you say you want to talk to your attorney, you have a right to talk to your attorney. And if you're in a position where you feel some reason awkward or intimidated, you say, look, I'm happy to cooperate, but I need to talk to my attorney first, right? So you always want to bring in the idea of having counsel. Because once you have counsel, then that attorney can deal with the state and be your shield and your filter to the state. So depending on the circumstances, you know, this is the way you go. And I'm not saying just because you get pulled over for a traffic matter, you say, I want my attorney. But it is absolutely where you have the right to say, I, I don't want to answer any questions. And nor should you, because you can see the danger in answering questions. And you need to identify yourself. And there are states that require you, you know, maybe you have to do a breathalyzer or the things where they have the, quote, implied consent, you know, things like that. You still have to do those things. The laws have been structured in such a way to somehow work around what seems like an obvious uh, violation of the Constitution. But you see, they say, well, you, you have an implied consent to waive that. So if you want the driver's license, your consent is implied so that you've already agreed to take a breathalyzer, you see. And I always thought about that argument, uh, interestingly, because you know how the way consent works. I mean, if, if you're with somebody and you're getting romantic with them and they say, yes, 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 and you're saying, great, there's consent, and now you have consent, and you're about to go further, and that person says, no, I'm not consenting anymore. No, you better stop, right? Because once you give consent, implied or even expressed, once that consent's gone, there's no consent. But somehow, that doesn't make it into implied consent law, you see. Because even though you've implied your consent to take a breathalyzer or even blood sample, and now you want to revoke your consent, well, that's not allowed somehow. Why is that? 
thought we're dealing with the law of consent, and that's how you got around the constitutional protection to begin with. Anyway, something to think about. But the the bottom line, folks, is you need to stand on your rights. I want to make sure that you stay protected and that you uh, don't become a victim of gun laws. Why don't you help keep a a fellow gun owner from becoming a law-abiding criminal? Tell them to listen to Gun Lawyer Radio. I'd really appreciate it if you do that. I want to help people understand and know their rights. And you can visit our website at gun.lawyer, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Please uh, spread the word. It means a lot to me, and it'll mean a lot to them. Till next time, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice consult a licensed attorney in your state.